late detectives of old time radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. In a moment, we're going to get into today's episode of File of Lands. But first, I want to talk to you about our new advertising plans for small business. One thing about Philo uh, Vance is that as a series, it helped out smaller businesses as well as regional chains. While fans of old-time radio recall the ads for companies like Maxwell House or Anchor Hawking or Petri Wine, a lot of smaller regional businesses and regional brands found it a challenge to uh, get on the radio. Sure, they could sponsor a local weather report or a DJ, but people were listening to radio drama. How could they sponsor that? Well, Ziv produced Philo Vance along with other programs. These could be syndicated to radio stations and local or regional sponsors could get a chance to reach uh, listeners to radio dramas. That's kind of what we're doing with our advertising. There are a lot of large businesses getting into podcast advertising. I know there are are, uh, many smaller uh, businesses represented in our audience. If you go to advertising.greatdetectives.com we have a couple of different options to reach our audience with your business idea or book, either through sponsoring an episode or uh, having your ad uh, inserted into the program. The insertion ads, we even do have the option of targeting your ad to a specific geographical area to give you the best impact. What about the options over at advertising.greatdetectives.net? Well, now it is time for this week's Philo Vance. The original air date, March the 29th, 1949, and the title is The Hi-Hat Murder Case. Yes, Mr. Vance? Miss Williams, is Miss Deering there? No, I'm sorry, Mr. Vance. She's not. Is there anything I can do for you? Yes, please come in my private office, Miss Williams. Yes, sir. Yes, Mr. Vance? I want you to take some notes on the White Willow murder case, Miss Williams. Make a copy for me and send a copy to Mr. Markham, please. I always send a copy to the district attorney, Mr. Vance. Good. Oh, before I begin, there'll be a Miss Sarah Payton in to see me in a few minutes. Yes. She telephoned for an appointment. When she arrives, ask her to come right in, will you please? She's out in the outer office now, Mr. Vance. She said her appointment wasn't until noon, so she preferred to wait, she said. Well, ask her to come in now, will you please, Miss Williams? The notes can wait. Certainly, Mr. Vance, in a second. Uh, Miss Payton, would you come in, please? Oh, thank you very much. How do you do, Mr. Vance? I'm Sarah Payton. Oh, hello, Miss Payton. Uh, please sit down. All right, Miss Williams, please. Yes, Miss Vance. 
Now, Miss Payton, what can I do for you? For one thing, Mr. Vance, you can look at me. Oh? Did you you ever see a more ordinary-looking woman in your life? I beg your pardon? Well, I'm sensible about it, Mr. Vance. I should be. After all, I'm not a child. I'm 34 now. I don't see how... How that affects you or, or how it can be important? Well, it is. Believe me, it is. I've got to tell you some facts first. Please listen. Of course. Well, when I was a child, I was just a child. I I wasn't as pretty as little girls generally are. I was just a child, very plain child. I went to dancing school, but the boys had to be either bribed or threatened to dance with me. Go on, please. Well, it was the same in school. I, I went to proms, sure, and dances, and I tried to be friendly, but the other girls were always more attractive. Boys always wanted to be with them. They never wanted to be with me. I went through my life like that, Mr. Vance. Being just one of the people everybody sees every day that nobody pays any attention to. Are you sure you wanted to see me, Miss Payton? I'm a private investigator. I know, Mr. Vance, and I'm I'm quite sure I want to see you. About a year and a half ago, I inherited quite a bit of money, and now I believe I'm going to be murdered. Murdered, eh? You're rather calm about that, Miss Payton. If I am, it's because it doesn't matter greatly to me, Mr. Vance. You see, during the past year, I've, I've had all the happiness anyone could possibly ask for. What happens to me now it isn't terribly important. Well, that sounds like you've come to me to see that I do not prevent your murder. Well, that's partly correct. I, I want to pay you, Mr. Vance, not to investigate my murder if, if I'm killed. I see. In other words, you don't want your murderer caught by me if he succeeds in eluding the police. That's it, exactly. He's clever, but but you're clever too, Mr. Vance, and I I don't want him caught. Miss Peyton, this is the strangest proposition ever made to me. I'm sorry, I have to turn it down. I was afraid you would, but there's no harm in trying. Who is it you think will murder you? Oh, no, Mr. Vance. After all, you wouldn't help me. Why should I help you? Just a minute. I want to see if this sweater I'm making will fit you. Uh, uh-huh. Seems to be the right width across the shoulders. Must you do that now, Matilda? Well, I do if I ever expect to finish the sweater. I think maybe I ought to give it an extra inch or so. It might shrink. Give it two extra inches, but leave me alone. Well, I'm sorry, Samuel. I didn't mean to annoy you. Oh, it isn't you. It's that sister of mine, Sarah. What am I going to do about her? Nothing. Why should you do anything about her? She's living her life the way she wants it. She's old enough to know what she's doing. I can't sit by and let her throw herself away on that... that gigolo. How a girl can let herself be talked into... Oh, I can't understand it. I just can't understand it. That's because you're a man. I'm man enough to do something about that situation, I'll tell you that. I bet she's even left him all of her money. Wouldn't surprise me any if she changed her will and left everything to him. Oh, not everything, Samuel. You know she'll leave you something. I know. I don't know anything. She inherited a lot of money. She'll leave him the money. You wait and see. Seems to me that something ought to be done about him, Samuel. Don't you think? No, I don't. I think something ought to be done about my sister. (laughs) 
say it again, Joe, just once more. I love you, Sarah, darling. You're the sun, the stars, you're everything. Oh, you're lying, but it sounds so good. Sounds so wonderful. You you didn't mind my buying you that easy chair. I, I was hoping you'd like it. Mind? I never mind anything you do, Sarah, darling. You know something? Hmm? I've never been so happy in my life as I've been this last year. You just made it perfect for me. I don't care what happens after this. I'm glad. you got a right to be. I guess I should be too sensible to believe that a man like you would fall in love with me. But I don't want to be sensible. <laughs> Can you understand that? I understand only you, darling. Yes, I believe you do. Well, Sarah... L l let me finish. I've been sensible all my life, and all my life has been dull, miserable. The one time I forgot to be sensible, I remembered to be happy. That's when you came into my life, Joe. You've been wonderful for me. Sarah, darling, I'm delighted. What else can I say? Nothing. There's nothing I want you to say. I, I have to run now. Please, please, please love me a little while longer. Forever, darling. I'll see you to the door. Tonight? Dinner in the theater. Seven o'clock, Joe, at my apartment. Of course. Goodbye, darling. Goodbye. Oh, brother. Oh, are you kidding? Very pretty scene, Joe. You're going to be quiet on actor. Oh, shut up. Please, 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 Joe, love me a little while longer. Oh, nuts. That's supposed to be a smart dame. I'm glad I'm stupid. Will you shut up, Diane? It's tough enough making love to that gal without being reminded of it when she's not around. I don't know if you mind it as much as you say. What? I said I don't know if you mind it as much as you say. Look, you, you know I've got to make love to her. You know what kind of money we're playing for. Oh, you do it too good, Joe. You do it like you meant it. Maybe you want all that dough and you want her too. And what happens to me if that happens? It's not going to happen. It better not. I don't have to remind you that we're a team, you and I. Do I, Joe? Look, will you shut up? Yeah, when I'm finished. Joe, you and I are a hundred-buck dance team. We never were anything else. We'll never be anything more. It was me that spotted this gal. Me that planned it. Sure it was you. So why gripe? Because it looks like you're doing some planning of your own. Uh... Well, don't do it, Joe. Your mind ain't used to working. It could be unhealthy if you start using it this late in life. Remember what I say, Joe. It could be very unhealthy. <laughs> Vance? Oh, Vance? In here, Markham. My private office. Come on in. I'm on the way. How are you, Vance? Very well, thank you, Markham. And very surprised at your visit. <laughs> Don't give me that, Vance. Nothing surprises you ever. Won't you sit down, my complimentary friend? Your complimentary friend happens to be a very busy district attorney at the moment. There's been a murder, Vance. A woman named Sarah Payton. Sarah Payton, eh? Well, that was to be expected. You mean you knew she was going to be murdered? No, but she did. She was in to see me to pay me not to look for her murderer. What? I won't explain it now, Markham, but that's what happened. Tell me the details. All right, I'll give them to you as far as we know them. She was found dead in her one-room apartment, shot to death. Mm -hmm. Her body was in one corner, and a man's top hat was on the studio bed in another corner of the room. Really? Yes. Sergeant Heath is checking it now. 
Heath's done quite a bit of investigating and found out some very important information. Such as the fact that there was a gigolo mixed up with Miss Payton? Well, well, yes, but Vance... How did I know? She practically told me, Markham. No mystery about it, believe me. Tell me what else Heath found out. Well, this gigolo, his name is Joe, is a professional dancer, part of the team of Joseph and Deanne. Small time, as I understand it. Miss Payton's brother gave us that information. Her brother? Who's he? Oh, very legitimate, Vance. Woolen business, quite substantial. Married, has been for 15 years. He told us about this Joe. Yes, so you said. And there was a top hat on the bed in the murdered woman's apartment, eh, Markham? Yes, we reasoned that the murderer was somebody Miss Payton knew. He came in, they quarreled, and he shot her. Then, believing the noise of the gun would attract neighbors, he fled, forgetting his high hat. Very possible, of course, Markham. Uh, what are you looking for, Vance? My hat, Markham. Just because your murderer forgot his is no reason why I should go out investigating him without mine. Give me a little help on these lifts, Diane. Jump when I lift you. Jump? It's all I gotta do is jump. Joe, I'm so jumpy now, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's stop rehearsing. I can't keep my mind on what I'm doing. Okay, that suits me. Mike, that's all for now. Okay. What's the use of rehearsing this dance act, anyhow? A couple of weeks, we'll have all the dough we need, now that your girlfriend got knocked off. Maybe you got something there. How did you know about her getting killed? I forgot to ask you. I read it in the papers. It wasn't in the papers. How did you know about it? I heard it on the radio. It wasn't on the radio. Look, you want to stop this clowning and talk like you and me are supposed to talk? We're partners, remember? Sure, I remember. Only there's some things you... How do you do? I'm Philo Vance. May I come in? Who's stopping you? Thank you. You're Joseph and Diane, I imagine. I wanted to talk to both of you about the death of Miss Sarah Payton. What about it, Vance? You knew she was murdered. Sure he knew it. He told me about it. I told you. You knew it. You said you read it in the papers. Don't give me that. Excuse me, but it doesn't really matter what either of you said. How did you know about Miss Payton, Joe? I had a date with her last night. When I got to her joint, I found she'd been knocked off, so I scrammed. And you, Miss Diane? I was following Joe. I didn't trust him. I gathered that. If you didn't precede him, I don't imagine the police will be too interested in you. Of course, there's the little matter of proving whether you were there before or after your friend here, but that will be taken care of later. It's okay with me. They, um, find the will yet? Yes, as a matter of fact, they did. I went to Miss Payton's apartment with the district attorney, and we found the will together. You inherit quite a lot of money, Joe. No kidding. Isn't that nice? You don't seem very excited about it. I expected it. Anything else you want with us, Vance? We're rehearsing our act. I think you've already done quite a good act where I'm concerned, Joe, Vance, but I... I knew I'd find you here. Oh, hello, Markham. May I present the dance team of Joseph and Diane. The district attorney, Mr. F.X. Markham. Hello. Oh, How do you do? Vance, I'm glad you're right here on the ground floor for the finish of this case. The finish? So soon? We think so. Remember the high hat we found on the bed in the murdered woman's apartment? Yes, of course. Well, Sergeant Heath has succeeded in tracing it. It belongs to Joseph here. What? Joseph, I'm arresting you for murder. What is this? It's a frame. I didn't leave my hat in that dame's apartment. Come now, Joe. We know you were friendly with the woman. We know you inherited from her. We've got quite a case against you, Joe. Have you, Markham? I doubt it. What? Vance, whose side are you on? Yours, of course, but I'd rather you didn't make any mistakes, Markham. It is quite possible, of course, that you did find Joe's hat in Miss Payton's apartment. Of course we found it there, on the bed. I repeat, it's quite possible that you found it there, but I can tell you quite definitely that he didn't leave it there. (laughs) 
This is District Attorney Markham. The hi-hat murder case got its name from a hat that led us to Joe, a dancer. The topper was found on the bed in the apartment of murdered Sarah Payton, a woman who had tried to pay Philo Vance at one time not to investigate her murder. Vance has asked me to release Joe and his partner, Diane, but will not clarify his remark that Joe did not leave his hat in Miss Payton's apartment. We are watching Joe's rooms, and one of my men just phoned and said that Samuel Payton, the murdered woman's brother, has just gone in to visit the dancer. He should be there. Stand up, you dirty rat. Play off, Stand you... up and take what's coming to you. Relax, will you, Payton? The cops let me off. They know I had nothing to do with killing your sister. I know better. Maybe they can't prove anything on you, but I'm not going to try. I'm going to beat it out of you. You'll admit it when I'm through with you. Don't be silly, Payton. You're out of your class. You think so? Well, what do you think now? I told you not to fool around, Payton. Somebody's liable to get hurt. Sure, you. Maybe that first smack didn't do the trick, but I'll beat the hey. living daylight. Cut it out. Quit it, you dope. Dope, huh? We'll see. Okay, I hate to do this, but... Hello, Markham. This is Joe. The dancer, you know. Yes, I know. What is it? That dead dame's brother, Sam Payton, just came up to visit me. I know that, too. We've got men watching your apartment. You have? Then you better have one of them come up and cart this bird away. I had to knock some sense into his head. But that ain't all. No? What is all? As he fell on the floor, something dropped out of his back pocket, Markham. A gun, pal. What? Maybe you'd better get somebody up here right away, huh? <laughs> Smith? Yeah? Well, this is it, Vance. We're going to shoot a bullet out of the gun we took from Samuel Payton into that cotton bale. And if it matches the bullet we found in his sister, we'll know plenty. Yes, I suppose you will. Well, let's get on with this, Markham. Right. Let it go, Smith. Right. That bullet's in the bale of cotton Smith shot at, Vance. Let's get it out. I'll take the gun, Smith. Suits me fine, Markham. I'd like a look at it, too. Of course. The bullet will be embedded in the cotton bale, but it can be removed easily. Uh, we use cotton I know, because... Markham, because it won't destroy any markings on the bullet. <laughs> Someday I'd like to be able to tell you something you don't know, Vance. Markham, there are a lot of things that fall into that category, <laughs> believe me. I'll get that bullet out with this pocket knife of mine. Ah, there we are. That did it. Mm, ugly thing, isn't it? Yeah, it could be very beautiful if it matches the bullet that killed Sarah Payton, Vance. I mean, it would solve this case beautifully. I hope you're right, my friend. Where's the microscope, Markham? In the next room. It's all set up with a bullet from Miss Payton already under the microscope. It won't take a second, then, to find out whether we have the murder gun. And the murderer. Yes, I know. Uh, through here, Vance. Right you are. Markham, let me smell that gun that Smith just fired, will you? Of course. Here it is. There'll be a strong odor of cordite, you know. There should be. And there is. There's also a suspicion of another odor. Really? Well, metal can have its own peculiar smell, I suppose. I've put this bullet under the microscope, Vance. Want to take a look? I most certainly do. Hmm. Hmm. What are you humming about, my friend? The bullet markings match, Markham. The murder bullet was undoubtedly fired from the same gun Joe reports having taken from Mr. Samuel Payton.
Vance, when you have that look of concentration on your face, you're thinking, so perhaps I'd better not interrupt. But I would like to know what it is you're thinking about. To be honest, it's about this visit we're making to Mr. Samuel Payton and his wife. I could have sent Heath to arrest Payton. After all, the murder gun did drop out of his pocket after Joe had clipped him. That's Joe's story, Markham. Did you ever think that that might be an excellent way of getting rid of the murder gun? Joe may have had the gun all the time and merely told you it had fallen out of Peyton's pocket. Hey, Vance, that is possible, isn't it? It's very likely, I'd say. Well, we'll find out very shortly. This is the Peyton home. Coming, Vance? Definitely. <sighs> if Joe planted the murder gun so that it would seem Peyton had advance, how does that tie up with your theory that he didn't leave his top hat on the murdered woman's bed? It doesn't. But about the hat and the bed, Mark, Joe's in show business. Show people have a superstition about hats on beds. They'd no more think of leaving their hat on a bed than they'd think of jumping out of a window. Oh, I see. Of course, it is possible that Joe knew we'd think the hat was a plant if it were found on a bed, so he put it there purposely to clear himself. But uh, that's unlikely. Vance, nothing is unlikely. Yes? Uh, Mr. Payton, this is Philo Vance, and I am District Attorney Markham. Oh, yes, I... I've been expecting you to come in. I'm afraid we're going to have to ask you to come with us, Mr. Payton. I've been expecting that, too. You knew we'd check the gun Joe took from you and find that it had fired the bullet that killed your sister? I thought you might. We're pretty thorough, Mr. Payton. However, to be perfectly fair about this, I'd like to know one thing. Yes? Did you bring that gun to Joe's room? Yes, I did. The gun's mine. I'm your man, Mr. Markham. I murdered my sister. We're paying you by the hour. Joel, show up sometime, brother. You know, it's a funny thing. It's about time you showed up, you big clown. How long... Oh. It's Vance. Hello, Diane. Isn't Joe here? No. You want him? Not particularly. There were some things I wanted to ask him, but they weren't terribly important. No, I don't imagine they were. I hear you got a confession from Mr. Payton. Good work, Vance. Well, thank you. That is, if Mr. Payton is the murderer, which I doubt. I think I'll wait for Joe. It's okay with me. Piano bother you? Not at all. Very rhythmic, I'd say. You dance? Not very well. Want me to teach you? Come on, come here. It's easy. Just put your right arm around me. Mm. That's good. Now, you just think where you want me to follow, and I'll follow. Easy, isn't it? Quiet. Quiet. <laughs> uh, what perfume is that you're wearing, Diane? It's called finesse. You like it? Very much. Always use it? All the time. Why? Why? Because if that's true, it practically absolves you from the murder of Sarah Payton. to see Mr. Peyton Vance? Why? He's confessed. Yes, I know. It sort of throws out your theory that Joe planted the gun, doesn't it? That it definitely does, Markham. I still want to talk to him, though. This cell is right down the line. Incidentally, in his confession, he gave the motive. He knew his sister had left him some money in her will, and he wanted it immediately. 
Simple motive, isn't it, Markham? This whole case is terribly simple. At the moment, I don't know why I bothered you with it. Oh, it was no bother. But it isn't solved yet, my friend. Oh, Vance, please, not that. We don't often get a murderer to confess with so little trouble. You got a confession, all right, Markham. But was it from the murderer? This the cell? Um, the next one. Oh, I think Mrs. Peyton is with him now. That bother you any? Not at all. Hello, Peyton. Hello, Vance. Markham. I've got the keys. I'll open the cell door. All right. This is my wife. Mr. Vance, Mr. Markham, Mrs. Peyton. How do you do? How do you do, do Mr. Mr. Vance, is, isn't there anything you can do for my husband? He isn't a murderer. I've been trying to tell that to the district attorney, Mrs. Peyton. Oh, you have? Then there's hope for him? I think so. Why should there be hope for me? I killed my sister, I admit oh. it. <laughs> oh, dear, now I'm sorry, Matilda, but there isn't anything... Here, take my handkerchief. I have one of my own in my bag. Delicate perfume your wife uses, Mr. Payton. What's the difference whether it's delicate or not? What do you two want here? Has she always used it, Mr. Payton? Yes, yes, always. She has it made up. She likes it. Now leave her alone. I'm sorry, but we can't. You see, I'm very certain that despite your confession, it was your wife who killed your sister. I've got to know one thing. Only one, Markham? One thing at a time, let's make that. Now, you told me that Sarah Payton came to you and asked you not to look for a murderer in the event that she was killed. Why would she do that? Because she suspected that Joe would kill her eventually, Markham. And she didn't want him caught. I don't understand that. In order to understand that, you'd have to understand the woman. She was a plain woman. She wasn't ugly, just nondescript. Everything about her was plain, the way she looked, the way she dressed her hair, everything. That idea about you're not catching her murderer was decidedly not plain, Vance. No, it was. You see, Markham, even Miss Peyton's mind was just run-of-the-mill. She wasn't clever and she wasn't stupid. All her life, she'd either been ignored or disregarded by men. Please go on. Then she inherited a lot of money. Even that meant nothing to her. She didn't know what to do with it. Her wants were simple. Money wasn't important. You may not believe it, Markham, but it's hard to cultivate expensive habits when you're not used to them. I believe it, all right, but I also believe we're getting away from why she didn't want her murderer caught. Well, she believed that her gigolo, our friend Joe, would kill her eventually. He came on the scene soon after she inherited all that money, and he gave her what she told me was the only happiness she'd ever had in her life. She was content to pay for that happiness with her life. It was all right with her if he killed her? Yes, and she didn't want him caught after he killed her. She was quite willing that he get away with her murder. He could have killed her for the money she left him, of course, but why didn't she just give him the money? That would have saved her life. It wouldn't have been very much of a life, Markham. If she'd given him the money, she'd never have seen him again, and she knew it. Hmm. That makes sense now. Women are funny creatures, Vance. There's an epic remark, my friend, that must have been made centuries ago. Man's a funny creature, too. Take Samuel Payton. He was willing to go to the chair for a murder his wife committed. How did he know she had killed his sister? The gun. She used his gun. But she carried it to Sarah Payton's apartment in her handbag, and anything a woman carries in her handbag gets the perfume of the bag on it. Yes, I've noticed that. When you found that Mrs. Payton's perfume matched the odor of the gun, you knew you'd found your killer. That's right. Despite her husband's confession... He tried to shield her, knowing she'd killed his sister for the money that was left him. She tried to cover the murder by getting Joe's high hat and leaving it at the scene of the crime, but we saw through that. Quite an emotional sequence, wasn't it, Markham? Quite. But like all things when you work on them, Vance, it reached a very satisfactory end. Yes, Markham, I think you can safely say that this is the end of the high hat murder case. (laughs) 
Welcome back. During the golden age of detective fiction, there were many detectives that solved their cases using psychology and an uncanny understanding of the human psyche. Detectives like Father Brown and Poirot showed uncommon understanding came with up with ways of thinking about motives that made sense, the very least in a theoretical sense. And then you have radio follow vents. And I am shaking my head. I mean, some of the, I mean, the psychological elements that are deduced after the case are just Amazing. Idea that it is hard to cultivate expensive habits. You're not used to spending money. I, I, I guess they did not have lottery winners because, you know, lottery was illegal. So you had, you know, maybe less people stumbling into giant windfalls of money. People develop expensive habits, and, and so did she. You, you want to say that she did not have any expensive habits, Vance? What do you call having a gigolo boyfriend but an expensive habit? And Markham's whole line of, well, essentially women are funny, which is a bit of a cop-out for... Uh, male, I guess male members of the audience who might be sitting there saying none of that made sense. If she knew that she was just being played by this gigolo and she feared that he might murder her and she enjoyed his attentions and the relationship, why would she bother to write him into her will? Or if she wanted to leave her fortune to a man she knew was only pretending to care for her, and she feared he would murder her if he knew that she was going to leave him the money. But she wanted to leave him the money anyway. Why did she have to tell him? I mean, she could leave him in a situation where, as far as he knew, she was uh, his meal ticket, and he had every reason to want to keep her alive. And if she's the type of woman who doesn't have any problem with someone just using her to get access to her money, and she is completely level-headed and understanding uh, as someone who understands the world and how it works. Doesn't she understand that there are a lot of men who would be willing to pay attention to her in order to get access to her money? So there's no particular reason to risk death the one who's giving her attention now. But then Markham says, well, women are funny. And you know, the male audience members just shrug it all away. I guess that's how that worked. I mean, it's it's kind of feels like they are trying to have it both ways in a way. They're like wanting to have these psychological motives, and then when they have them uh, not make sense, they said, well, you know, uh, women are funny, and then, you know, uh, Vance said, well, it's funny what men will do, too. I also did question the clue about the perfume. As the episode seems to think that uh, you would still be able to smell the perfume on the gun. And I know what Vance is talking about with the way that 
Stuff that's in women's purse starts to smell like their perfume. It was that way with my mother's purse when I was a kid. But could a perfume really be smelled over the cordite? Plus then you have potentially other smells from the murder room. I'm not certain, but if anyone's got an answer, I'd love to hear it. We turn now to listener comments and feedback, and some feedback that I got regarding an episode we played a few weeks back while I was on leave, a herringbone murder case, where I questioned the solution centered on buttons being on the wrong side. And I received this note from Ken. Uh, Ken uh, wrote in, Adam, I hope your time away from the show has been great for you and family. I really appreciate all you do. You are too young to remember, but many older, high-quality coats could be buttoned from either the left or the right. In essence, they were unisex coats. You thought it was bogus that Philo Vance knew the murderer was a woman based on the way the coat was buttoned. But in fact, that was a legitimate solution. In the 1970s, a retiring stockbroker friend of mine gave me an expensive beige wool double-breasted overcoat. At first, I thought it was a woman's coat because of the buttons, and I was reluctant to use it. Until I talked to the owner of a fine man's clothing store, who explained that uh, the high-quality coats could be buttoned either left or right. Once I became a stockbroker, I wore that coat with pride. To illustrate, straight I've attached a, uh, a listing of a U.S. Navy officer's double-breasted overcoat. Uh, in this case, the coat is sold in the listing, deleted before you see it. Here's a quote from the description, double-breasted, uh, gold buttons can be buttoned left or right. Well, I do stand corrected, Ken. Mark also was the owner of uh, such a jacket and uh, provided some correction and warned I might be ratioed. Thankfully, that did not happen as uh, most of the audience was not quite as aware as our two well-dressed listeners. That said, I do still think the solution has, uh, you know, a problem in terms of probability. Because in that case, the murderess set out to commit the murder and she put on the suit to affect male disguise. As someone who worked in the fashion industry, how plausible is it that she would be affecting this disguise, would go to the trouble to do that, and would button the buttons on the female side? That seems really implausible, mainly because of her profession. I think it's perfectly believable that someone... Uh, could commit murder in the uh, clothes of the opposite sex and button the garment on the wrong side if that was an available option and thus tip their hand. I think that becomes far less believable when you're talking about someone who works all day in clothes and was being very intentional about disguising themselves as the opposite sex. So thanks for the clarification. It helps me... Uh, better understand the solution. And now it's technically right, but very, very implausible. All right, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Sean, Patreon supporter since June, currently supporting us at the 
Shameless level of $4 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support, Sean. Well, that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure to uh, like the video, subscribe to the channel, mark the notification bell. All those great things that uh, makes it easier for folks to find our uh, programs. Next Thursday, we'll return with another episode of Philo Vance. But join us back here tomorrow as we take a listen to the adventures of that man with the action-packed expense account where... It was after six when I arrived and the shop was closed. The interior was dark except for a light coming from a back room. I knocked on the door and waited. I was about to leave when I saw the figure of a man stagger into the darkened shop from the lighted back room. He stood for a moment framed in the doorway, one hand clutching his stomach. I banged on the door again and watched as the man pushed himself away from the door jamb and started across the shop. Halfway to the front door, he slumped to the floor and lay still. I stepped back, kicked the glass out near the door lock, reached in and opened the door. But by the time I got to the man's side, he was dying in a hurry. Call the doctor, quick. Yeah, yeah, sure. Who did it? Gumbo. He died looking up at the ceiling and holding his stomach where a knife had cut him almost in two. It was Dave Rico, and he named Gambona as his killer. I called Lieutenant Briggs. Gambona? That's what he said. I asked him who did it, and he said Gambona. That's crazy. Why? Gino Gambona's in Sicily. You sure? I hope you'll join us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.